0: The Sportsman's Nation is a 2% for conservation certified business. This means that we donate 1% of our time and 1% of our revenue to conservation. If you want to find out how you or your business can get certified or learn more about the organization, visit fishandwildlife.org. <laughs> Time for another episode. Welcome back and happy 2021. I hope you all are doing well and hope things are off to a good start for you because that's what it's all about in 2021, everybody. Positive vibes only. We're going to keep that rolling here on the podcast too. So today I have Eric Long on from Longline Charters. And the reason why I had Eric on is he recently undertook a project where he he purchased this boat this affordable boat 16 and a half foot crest liner um with a 90 horse on it and it wasn't running when he went to buy it but he kind of took that opportunity because he likes to work on things and i thought it was a great you know a great story for him to share with us of what he went through on the boat what he was looking for he kind of ripped up all the flooring and put new new marine plywood down and you know just gave this thing a, a big overall. And I thought, you know, if, if you're someone out there who was thinking about purchasing a boat this year, I wanted to show you how, um, Eric did it on a budget and he did it, um, very affordable. What i what him and I believe is a very reasonable price. And at the end, he kind of tells you how much you would have into it to get a similar setup. So if you're in the market for a boat and you don't want to spend a bunch of money right now, but you still want to get out on the water in a reliable vessel, kind of listen to what Eric goes through here um, and talks about what he looked for in the boat before he purchased and some of the things you might want to do to it to get it in tip top shape before you bring it out on in the water. So I hope this inspires you to get out there, purchase that boat, don't spend a bunch of money and uh, you'll be able to stay safe on the water. So without any further ado, here is Eric. So you just got back from Florida. How was that?
1: No, it's good. It was real good. I yeah, uh, a little bit of fishing, a little bit of sunshine, getting the rain, so that's a bonus.
0: Is that something you guys do every year?
1: Uh, I usually try to go a few times every winter. Oh, you know, a few times. January and March-ish.
0: Nice. Just to get away. You're, you're not much of an ice angler or
1: what? No. I pretty much <laughs> sold all my ice fishing tackle and I just use it for plane tickets
0: now. Oh, nice. Nice. So what did you guys get into down there? Like, What do you typically target?
1: Um. Well, I went to a different spot. I used to go out of the Keys, but we just kind of flew in the Fort Myers area. Actually, Puntagorda, I believe it was. But we uh, ended up staying in Fort Myers, and they got the red tide going on. So anything inshore was pretty much a bust with that. It's like an algae bloom from you know related to fertilizer and stuff like that. Oh, okay. But yeah, so we didn't do anything inshore. We were in a skiff one day, and then I uh, went out with a buddy on Wednesday. We went offshore. We had I think we were about fifty miles out. we went out to a old radio tower and it was pretty much any you know you drop it for a minute and you got a either a cobia, a shark or a amberjack on so it was pretty cool
0: that's wild man i've I've never done um you know deep water saltwater fishing before It's definitely something yeah I it was
1: want. fun we went out to it was like a man made wreck first at like thirty feet of water and we caught some uh some mangroves and bait basically and then totally – I mean, we'll eat them, you know, the main grump snappers. So we got those for dinner and then, uh, I caught a little, uh, what did I catch? I don't remember. Well, basically blue runners and uh grunt is what we use for live bait. Okay. And you know, further out. Oh, I caught a Bonita too. Sorry. Wow. So Bonita is like, basically it's like a, they call it the poor man's tuna, but it's basically shark bait for the most part. You chunk it up for, you know, chunk bait.
0: Oh, okay. It's a different, definitely different style of fishing down there and a little bit different than the, you know, Lake St. Clair, walleye uh, and perch and yeah, everything, right? Yeah, it's
1: so much easier. It's like, it's Michigan, it's like, you can get out on, you know, basically any boat you want. You, know, you can buy a, you know, a $1,000, 000- mm-hmm. you and you can get some fish if you have the right equipment. And saltwater, it's like the opposite. Like, good equipment helps, obviously, but it's... You need the boat. So it's like a complete opposite. So, you know, a role reversal to get offshore.
0: Yeah, to get to where you want to get to safely.
1: Yeah, because, like, I mean, if you know what you're doing around here, you can pretty much, if you got, you know, the right tackle, you don't really need the best boat to go get what you're going to get around here. But you need a really good boat to go offshore. I mean, we're 60 miles offshore. There's no one's going to help us.
0: Right. Yeah, man, that's wild. That's a hike. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's cool, though, because the fish, they're kind of untouched. So, you know, these fish are, they're basically eating anything. You know, like I was dinking around with some soft plastics and then, a, you know, white tackle. So, basically, you know, there's a, you know, there's other people on the boat, obviously. So, they were using, there's a bigger rod, a 100-pound test. and You basically crank them in. And uh, the, you pretty much need it once because there's bull sharks out there. Once the bull sharks get fired up, they basically go steal all your fish. Oh, so, Jesus. So, Yeah, I was trying with some, like, 40, 50-pound braids and uh, the drag tightened all the way down. You know, got 30 pounds of drag. You'll can you get the fish off the bottom, you'll get them up, and then as soon as they get tired, they get sharked. Oh, Jesus. So after, like, I don't know, five or six of those, I gave up, you know, I was just feeding the fish at that point.
0: Man, I tell you what. But
1: it's fun to pull on.
0: Salt water is an area that, you know, I mean, it's probably just a... Like, where do you begin kind of thing? You know what I mean? It's just so many different species, so many, so vast of ways of fishing down there. It's, it's wild.
1: Well, it's a different, yeah. And it's, it's called, it's like saltwater fishing. Like we go out here, we're going walleye fishing. We're going musky fishing. Like right. You go know, saltwater fishing. Right. You're going fishing. And it's, you know, the fish dictate what, what you're going to fish for pretty much. Exactly. It, it, it is just, which is cool. You're just like, you're going off fishing and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to guess. Let's never do it you know?
2: Right.
0: Well, cool, Hey, man! how was your season this year?
1: Um, it was good um overall it was good. I mean we were down you know than the previous year, but I mean, I think everybody was down but so we uh we were shut down on the start of our season the May seventh, I believe it was, so right, right. we lost you know five weeks of trip, and you know another guy working with me, so I think it was about sixty to seventy trips that we didn't do in that time period, which is unfortunate but well you know, the, the we lockdown happened back,
0: uh, right right at the beginning of the uh, the run didn't it of the river
1: yeah, I mean like the weather it was it was I mean, it was such a crazy year the uh the weather was great, so uh, my boat was in i believe right around March fifteenth, so I was in the well in Detroit River in my marina March fifteenth free fishing and having a blast, and then it shut down. To the point where we couldn't do charters, but okay. we could still fish. Okay. So then I was like, you know, doing all, taking all my buddies out and my girlfriend, we were going down there and we were having fun and, it, you know, we were going out and fishing and we could still go to Canada at that point. And then I went to the point where they shut down boating completely. And when they did that, they shut the border down. And then once they opened it back up, Canada wasn't letting us go back and fish in Canadian waters, which, you know, by the time they opened it back up it's really good in Canada at that point right and, you know half the rivers in the Canadian side and I would say 80 percent of the good fishing's in the Canadian side so when you can't go access that water it makes it a little bit tougher but I mean <laughs> we got enough U.S. spots that we stayed busy but it was, uh, it was overall good I mean my May was better than last year May as far as business but in a three-week window but I mean, it was a totally different kind of fishing. You know, the jig bite kind of slows down into May. We're getting a lot more crawler harness, bottom bouncing. And then all through June, it was either bottom bouncing, a little bit of jigging. And then we would troll out in the lake, which was real productive. But, you know, the jig bite just kind of, it'll turn off. You know, usually about mid-May Late May, the water in Lake St. Clair starts, you know, clearing up. Yeah. And then that clear water just stays on the U.S. side, and that stained water will go down, you know, and follow the Canadian shoreline. So the jig bite just gets real tough. Well,
0: and between that, clean, that and the silver bass, you know, like bass, water. You know get, keeping the silver yeah, bass on I mean, like, Yeah,
1: yeah, the silver bass, honestly, on the upper river, they're not that bad
3: anymore. Okay.
1: It, I would say in the last five years, the silver bass run, you know, per se, has not been on fire which is good right and you can typically get away from them you know like you know i'm a lot deeper you know starting mid may all through june i typically jig i jig all the way to july you know i jig april to all the way into june but i'll just jig deeper you know typically if you just you know start getting a little bit deeper you don't fish that typical you know, shore break, you're going to stay away from those bass. I mean, you'll catch them occasionally, you can't get away from them. But it's not like you're going to get, like, giant numbers of them. Those fish are going to be, they, like, get slack water, you know, warm water discharges are going to be, you know, around there. Okay. Yeah, so no big deal. They're not bad. But, yeah, I don't know. It was a good year overall. Busy year, a lot more trolling, a lot less musky fishing, a lot more bottom bouncing. It was just it was different. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to do it all over again. Right. 2021. I would, well, hopefully uh, we can go to Canada and fish over there, and kind of mix it up a little bit.
0: Well, you know, a lot of people during the shutdown didn't realize like that when the governor shut everything down, the boat launches and everything, Just how impactful? Because everyone was like, "Oh, you can just wait to fish another day." They don't realize how many people rely on that as you know part of their business for chartering and things like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a charter business, right? You know, but just recreationally and your peace of mind to get out of water. Yeah, it's weird, and it's just being weird told you can't go use your boat in the the lake. You know, it's just bizarre. I
0: remember driving by Detroit River in like you know April, and I was just like dead. I'm like, whoa, this is super weird. Nobody.
1: Literally nobody. And it was funny because I believe that the Canadians, even though they, we got shut down. Yeah. So we got shut down and I thought they were shut down too, or they couldn't, if they were in the water already, they could go out. it was really weird because I think in Canada, they shut down all their boat launches to deter boating. But I know people were still going out because I think they already some of the you know the Canadian fishermen had their boats and marinas, and they were able to go use their boat then. Okay. So I know like because I remember seeing some posts you know on Facebook and Instagram and stuff where people I knew they were, you know live in Canada they were out fishing, mm-hmm. so they must have been in the water. It was like a weird situation. I don't know. And even like Canada's locked down right now. I don't know if you know Ontario's on like a. Eight, they got 8 p.m. curfew and all oh, kinds of stuff. shit. Yeah, so, like, yeah, so I, it's going to be uh, gonna be 2021. I don't anticipate Canada opening open anytime soon. So it's, I think it's going to be a big, you know, 2020 all over again as far as our fishing industry. Right. I mean, I don't think they're going to shut our boating down like they did before. Right. But I don't think we're going to be crossing the border anytime soon.
3: Yeah. Well,
0: I guess just play where you can play, you know stick to your sandbox. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of to your fish on the U.S.
1: side, you know. Yeah. It's just, I'd like to, you know, it's fun, you know, like the people come from out of town. It's fun to put them on bigger fish, bigger numbers. and right. You know, they, they book a charter that, you know, the fish waters that they can't fish every day. Yeah. And it does suck a little bit because there's only so many places you can go on the U.S. side and try to get away from people mm-hmm. when everybody's on one side of the river. So during the peak run, when everybody's down there, you know, through, you know, like, you know, it was a little bit later the last couple of years. I would say last week of April, first week of May, usually is when it seems like it's the best, you know, but basically when it was open this year, so you couldn't get away from anybody. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you're on a charter and you can't, you can't find your own water. So right. you just fish next to everybody else, but right. it is what it is. You know, we're used to it.
0: Right. Yeah. Everybody, once they find out who you are, that you kind of get some uh, tailgaters anyway. So
1: I mean, yeah, but it's not a big deal. Honestly, I, I you know, I welcome it for the most part. You know, it's, as long as you're just, you know, give every, you know, I, I give people space, give me space. I don't care. You know, as long as we're not literally playing bumper boats, I don't care. It's,
2: right. it's always
1: fun to chat to the person next to you. Yeah. I mean, it was a little bit different this year. Like you said, and a lot, the spots where the fish were holding were so small. So, you know, it, you could get on fish and, you know, like if you stay there too long, there's going to, cause it just, even if you're not catching fish, it just takes another boat to show up. And yeah. then the third boat shows up and then they're like, why is there three boats over there? Okay. And now there's four, and there's five and before, you know, you got 12 boats on a, you know, a hundred foot long break that you're fishing and then you got to move. Yeah. So it's, yeah, so there was a lot of that this year, but it is what it is. You know, you know this Detroit River, you can't expect to have the water to yourself. Well, good man, I'm I'm
0: glad you found a way to you know thrive through the tough times, and that's what I think a lot of businesses are doing, no, no matter what industry you're in. You're coming up with creative ways to keep it going, and you know it was good to see. You know it, it like you know you're the, you're one of the guys that has the same kind of story I've been running into and hearing from a lot of other dudes where it's like, yeah, it was different, different numbers are down a little bit, but you know, overall they found a way to persevere and that's what it's all about. Like,
1: yeah, the spring was down, but I can tell you we were busier every other month throughout the whole year. And we even did perch trips this year that we haven't done in the last four years and they were productive. And even though we couldn't go to Canada, we, uh, my diehard musky guys, I basically told them to just keep waiting, keep waiting. Maybe they'll open it up. And I took a lot of uh, multi-species trips where actually I thought I actually like them better. They're more fun for me. Here U.S. waters, you know, we're trolling. We're catching musky, bass, walleye, pike. And then, like, you know, starting October, we were running bottom bouncers off the boat and getting perch as we go. And just kind of catching everything. So it's kind of a cool little spread. It's lighter tackle. You know, you're fishing 10 to 15 pound test instead of 50 to 100. And uh, you just kind of catch everything that swims, so it's a little bit cooler and it's a little bit more productive for the you know the clients when they're out there. You know, muffy fishing is like deer hunting; you just sit there until something happens. So.
0: Right <laughs> now, but, this time, yeah, it was fun. This time of year, I know a lot of guys are still getting out when they can when the water the temperatures warm back up. Do you do yeah, that at all, or I, are you? Or I do. It, okay,
1: um, I actually been. Uh, This fall, I've been kind of busy with some side projects and some side work, working around the house. And like I said, I was so busy over the summer, I didn't get anything done. So I pulled the boat like mid-November. Everything was out back at the house. And uh, I'd basically just been kind of getting caught up on stuff I hadn't done all year. Okay. had to build a deck around the house and then i i purchased that boat and i kind of worked on that yeah and now i'm kind of i'm working for a buddy doing a little bit of construction so like but all my buddies are out so it's frustrating you know like i got invited to fish saturday morning i got back from florida i didn't get home to until about 11 i think it was and i was like man i just got it was 75 i'm sunny my love <laughs> i'm home it's 30 it's tough to get I'm, back like, up yeah, to. i gotta get up at five to go break ice i'm like saint Clair. it's gonna be fun but i was like i don't know so i didn't go uh-huh. I, so i could have fished yesterday but i started a, a side project today so now i'm you know I a couple buddies fish today but it looks like it's kind of coming to an end the uh it's getting cold at night and if we keep on getting these uh Windless nights—it's gonna, it's gonna lock, lock up lock these up. marinas. We're not gonna be, yeah. I, you know, like they're fishing out of Blossom over there in Lake St. Clair, which is actually a private marina, and uh, typically they're not even open this late in the year. But they left the gate open for the fishermen, and then um, you know Erie—that's pretty much the two things. They can't even fish the because it's all locked up up there.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's gonna start expanding outwards, and everyone's waiting for that. Yeah, to lock it's, up. I
1: would say it's any day. I'm surprised. It's uh, but. Weird winter. I don't know. I think the last four years, I think i fished in February, it seems like, in Lake Erie, so...
0: Time will it's tell. It's not
1: that surprising, I guess, yeah. Here in Ohio, it seems like it's always open in February. Everybody's out there. Oh, yeah. So it's... Uh, I think it's going to be another year where we'll probably be fishing February or March, not, you know, here in Ohio.
0: Well, that's good, man, because, you know, I think a big reason why I wanted you on the podcast today was I think this year has been a little bit different from everybody and... Um, you know, I follow you on Instagram and, you know, keep in touch and all that kind of stuff. And I found it interesting that, uh, you took on this project as, um, th- this boat that you bought, which I want to get into and talk about, but I I felt like the story was fitting because there might be that angler out there that was hoping to get a boat this year. Maybe they're, you know, due to COVID that, you know, maybe they're saving back on their income or they just didn't want to pull the trigger on a big expensive boat. So, you know, but guys who might not have a boat or gals might not have a boat can still get out on the water. Can you kind of walk us through why you bought the boat you did? And if you don't mind, I mean, you put it on Instagram, sharing the price and kind of like what you looked at yeah, yeah, when yeah. buying a boat.
1: So I, I'm always kind of shopping the market for... uh upgrade or whatever you know and i come across deals every now and then because i already have two boats you know i got a 23 foot center council my brother's fishing with us now and he has a 23 foot center council i have my 31 so i don't really another boat but i live around you know 20 lakes within 10 miles of my house so i live in brandon township and I'm I'm like almost every other place in the state of michigan you can drive 15 minutes to be at a lake and it's something it's not super feasible to bring a big boat there all the time and you know, once I bring the 23 foot, it's always in the garage by the time to get it out, can't. but I'm always looking for something that I can actually use or the girlfriend can hook up to her Subaru and use a 16 to 17 foot aluminum boat. You can pretty much take anywhere, be safe and almost tow with anything. So I actually found it on Facebook marketplace. It seems like that's kind of the, the place to be right now. It was non-running that it ran. You know, and the guy wanted like $3,000 for it. So I figured I'd go look at
0: it. Can you let the listeners know what kind of boat it is, year, uh, and all that kind of stuff?
1: So, yeah. So this, what is it? It's a 2002, I believe. I don't have the number in front of me. But 2002 Crestliner 1650. It's like a Fish Hawk model. So basically, they have it in a couple different ones. But this is a side console with it had a head of 90 horse uh, Johnson on the
0: back. Okay. So, you kind of look for that that um option to be able to go in any lake it's light to pull with vehicles it's it you can launch it by yourself and you know trailer it by yourself for the most part, and really, it's just kind of like a running gun ready to go anytime you're or the weather allows or you got some time off or
3: whatever
1: yeah, and originally, I mean I saw it it looked like it was in decent shape. uh the trailer was in good shape. talked to the guys you know on the phone he seemed like a good guy, so then I'd the to drive. The boat was in a fishy location, you know, he kept the boat in Wyandotte, you know, basically he only fished out of Trenton, you know, I think it had like four, the last four or five years of, you know, the Trenton, uh, I think one of the, I can't remember which boat launch, but right down there, it might've been, uh, Lake Erie Metro, I'm not sure, but we had all the stickers on there. So like, the guy who fished it, I mean, the boat's been used, but it was just a river boat.
0: Okay. Did he say why he so, was yeah, selling everything it?
1: Everything was in good shape. What's that?
0: Did he say why he was selling it? Just curious.
1: He's actually moving. The guy was moving to Florida. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good reason. Yeah. So I actually, uh, I found it on there and uh, it's, I don't know, you've probably seen it too. Everybody's inflated everything. Anything recreational right now is through the roof. Right. Dirt bikes, campers, pods, and boats. They're out of control. So I, everything's like 30, 40% more. I it can, it's, makes no sense, but it is. Okay. So everything, the use market's hard. So I found this, it was $3,000. I told him I'd pay asking. I got there. The boat was in decent shape. It had a cover on it. Um, he had all the electronics pulled off it. So I was like, oh, okay. You know, I hate when I do that, but we'll we'll talk to him about that when the time comes. But <laughs> So I ended up getting the electronics thrown in and got everything going. And... Uh, this one, it was kind of. Usually, I like to check the compression, check for sparks, stuff like that. Because I've got, I've probably had like maybe 15 boats in my life. So I, I kind of, and I've bought boats just to split. And this actually was going to be a boat to split. And I probably will keep it for at least a season. I've been kind of talking to keeping it. So I'm going to probably keep it. But, you know, the, uh, it seemed like everything was there. Everything was intact. It wasn't missing anything. So, you know, like you get that you can once you look at something you're like all right i mean they're gonna buy it or I'm not you know if you don't get that feeling like it's well taken care of just walk away
0: right what if you don't mind sh- sharing just with some of the listeners this could be someone listening who's never bought a boat for you know boat before what are some things that you can check as you just walk around the sides maybe talk about you know how you check the transom to make sure there's no transom rot um what to look for on the trailer maybe just some point some key points along you know the gunnels or
1: whatever yeah i mean like just look at it. It's no different looking at a car. If it's beat up, you know, uh you know, it's, if it looks like it's been well taken care of, like this one was weathered. Obviously, it was weathered. The uh, interior, you know, completely gutted and replaced, but the the boat itself is fine. It's a welded boat. So I always do, I always do a little bit of research before I go by. Just Google it. You can look at a review. Something that was like, well, this was a 2002. Just look at it, like, you know, just Google it and you'll be able to read about the reviews in 2002. Gotcha. You know? it's all on there, but this is a, well, so I know it's a fully welded boat at this point. I know there's no wood on it other than the deck and the transom. Okay. So I know the transom's got wood backing and the decks wood, but the boat itself, I did a walk around. There's no dock rash on it. It has a troll motor on the 90 Johnson's like bent looking. Uh, I did have a new lower end. So you know, I talked to him, he said, you he hit a rock with it. So we ended up getting a new one. So the lower end had low hours on it, brand new prop. Pull the cowl off. Everything looked good. There's no rust in there. There's no oil anywhere. Everything looks good. But I did notice at that point, usually like I pumped the ball on it and uh, I'm you know I'm getting fuel leaking. So I know there's an issue at that point with a fuel issue. And he said it ran, but there's no way it's going to run if it's not holding prime. You know, I right. can pump the ball and it just, kept, it just got that pump fuel. And so I figured I already knew I had an issue with the fuel
2: at that point. So I
1: know that. And then uh, basically just look at the trailer, you know, look at your bunks. You can tell if it's been used a lot and then check out your tires and your bearings. So this guy, uh, and then I was talking, I always ask what the owner, what they do. Okay. And this guy was an engineer. So, oh. so it's like, all right, all right. You're not like, you don't work at like the bar or whatever. You know what I mean? Like you're, he, this guy's an engineer. Right. He like, he worked at the GM proving grounds. And then like, I just knew he was, metic- he was meticulous about everything. Okay. And he's transferring to Florida. He's doing something down there. So he was like a contract worker up here. So I knew like he, I could just tell he took care of it. So, and then you just kind of go from there, you know? And then like, I like the, I have a price in my head. You know, I I told him I'd pay three, but, uh, you know, I ended up getting the electronics thrown into that, which it had a brand new Helix nine and the Helix five that he pulled off. So I got all of that. Wow. Rod holders. And, uh, you know, just like the miscellaneous loading stuff that came
3: up there. Now you
1: posted. Yeah, it. so I ended up.
3: Go ahead.
1: Go ahead. No, I was gonna say I ended up negotiating a good package deal on it. So basically, they had a, new tires, the trailers been well taken care of, and then I got a boat that's a good starting shell with you know probably fifteen hundred dollars. I would assume of electronics that he bought in twenty twenty or twenty nineteen. So yeah, whatever, it was basically brand new.
0: Hell yeah. You no, know, when you, I'm looking on Instagram here. It says when we purchased it, non-running for three thousand. Is that was that just the fuel line with the the motor for it, non-running? Is that what you mean?
1: So I ended up, well, Anita Yeah, he, I didn't run it. He said it ran, but I knew it wasn't going to run with that. Okay. So I was like, but he hasn't ran it. The last time he used it, he said it worked, but he hasn't used it for a year at that point okay. because of COVID. He never even put it in the water.
3: I gotcha. Year. I gotcha.
1: So it just sat there. So ended up happening there's like a I think it's called a vapor separator and I'm decently familiar with mechanical stuff and I can basically fix it if I, that's another thing you want to budget, like if you can't work on something, you don't want to buy something that doesn't run I can tell you that, Okay. if you want to buy a boat and you can't physically work on it and fix it yourself and it doesn't run when you buy it, you probably shouldn't buy it, Okay. I can tell you that right now that's a no no, unless you know you know the person personally, or you know it's going to be an easy fix. But if you can't drive the boat in the water and hear it run, I would walk away. Okay. If you can't fix it yourself, so I knew there was going to be an issue. So I basically, I think for sure they was leaking fuel out of. It. It, was, it was the vapor separator. So basically, you prime it. It goes into the motor. There's a. It has, this is a four cylinder motor. So I got four carbs. And I got a, a you know, a central vapor separator. It's basically a float bowl and then like the, the carbs draw from in this central float bowl. Right. And it's leaking out of that. Okay. So I basically once I got it home, you know, I uh I did a compression check on it. It had great compression in all four cylinders. So I knew that, I knew it had spark and then so I knew it would run. And it wasn't anything big. So I kind of put the motor at a little bit of a back burner and I started working on some stuff. And before I got everything yanked out, I ended up working on the motor and getting that running. So basically I rebuilt that fuel, that vapor separator with gaskets. Cause it ended up just being an O-ring gasket that failed. It okay. was dried out.
3: Rot- dry Yeah,
1: That's another thing. Like, yeah, it wasn't dry rot, but it shrunk. So okay. he must, uh, he must've ran it dry out of fuel or whatever, or the fuel evaporated out. And, uh, the rubber O-ring ended up shrinking and it let fuel come out. So, replaced that, and then I pulled the carbs off and cleaned out the, you know, they were all actually really good. Basically, cleaned out the, the bowls on those and made sure everything was good. And it's good to go, you know, across my fingers. I took for one sea trial, but, I mean, I was out on the water for about a half hour, and it seemed to everything worked pretty good. So, okay. no big deal. But the only thing, uh, you know, it's an oil injection system, so it's like this VRO pump. So, that's another thing you want to make sure is working into so there's tests to do on that whatever but you gotta make sure it's, it's injecting the oil
0: okay all right so someone again in your shoes buys the boat let's say they like it um you get this thing home and then i'm scrolling through the next couple photos here you obviously ripped up the deck everything on the inside uh complete for the most part gut job of just the standing deck is that correct
1: yeah, basically, yeah. I didn't okay. replace anything internal, but yeah, I, and I keep everything. So I, the hard, honestly, the hardest part is taking out the deck, okay. finding all the screws and hardware, and keeping it in one piece because you want it for a template, right? So, and a lot of stuff is so so far gone, you can't even walk on it. So, and then there, you know, it's like surgical taking it apart. So make sure you keep it all for a template. And you know, that's the big thing. Yeah. So, make sure you know how to put it back together.
0: Right. So anybody listening to this, if you go on his Instagram, which is Longline Charters or at Longline Charters on Instagram, you can scroll down and kind of see what we're talking about. And what he's saying is like a puzzle. So if you were going to dismantle a puzzle and you wanted to put it back together later, you gotta you gotta kinda know where the chunks and the pieces all fit and use it as a template to trace for your next uh outline of board that you're gonna lay down, which
1: Yep. Yeah. Just take pictures, right? Save everything, you know.
0: Um. So being on the market nowadays, what do you recommend? Just do you put in like a marine plywood in there, or is there anything special that you would recommend no, putting yeah, in? Yeah,
1: like that's the only thing I would put in. I mean, if it's going to be exposed to water, you need marine plywood. So you have you – honestly, they, they make womanized wood. You do not want to put that in an aluminum boat. They have uh, chemicals in there. I think one being copper is, is used in a lot of the womanized wood that okay. like you would see for – ground contact wood, you know, like, cause it's cheaper. It's, it's like 40% cheaper to buy womanized wood or right. green board and put it in there. Um, you don't want it. It, uh, it react with the aluminum. And it'll be really corrosive and, uh, to the point where I've seen it where bottom of the whole boat hulls have pinholes on them and the boat just completely corrodes away from the inside out
2: no. because
1: yeah, cause it's got that aluminum and that green board. You just cannot touch it. So you can do, you got to do marine grade, grade plywood, which, it does kind of suck because you got to budget that. It's about 80 bucks a sheet. Okay. And that boat was 16 and a half foot long. To redo the entire interior, it took four sheets.
2: Four it was sheets. like
1: three and one piece. Okay. Which is Unfortunate. So, yeah, so that, I mean, that's three sheet or four sheets at 80 bucks a piece.
0: Now, how right do you now. determine the thickness of that that you buy it in, or does it only come in one thickness? No,
1: I can, you can get it in anything from quarter all the way up there, I believe. Five and three quarter. Okay. So it originally had five eight. Okay. And uh nobody carries five eight stock, so I ended up getting it through Menards. It's three quarter inch marine, and it, I mean it's a little bit thicker actually than the stock. I mean, it's not that noticeable, and the way all your compartments fit, it doesn't. You know, they fit off a. Of, you know, they make it so they fit fine, so it's not a big deal. But it's, uh, just measure it, you know, it comes in, everything's a quarter inch, I believe up to three quarters.
0: Okay. So you get this stuff off, the boat's exposed, you can kind of see the, the floor, um, you know, all the foam that's in there, all that kind of stuff. What now, before folks start to think about, you know, replacing and putting it back together, what would be a good time at this point to look for, um, or maybe to even think about replacing, is there anything else like any kind of wiring that's being ran or the, Oh
2: yeah.
1: Well, you'll see it. Cause I use boat. It's going to be, here's the deal. It's like, there's no boat that's never been untouched. Mm-hmm. So I use boat. And especially if you are getting one at a discount, if you're getting one, not running or a deal, it's going to be hacked up. I guarantee it. Somebody wires some stuff in there and it's not going to be correct.
2: Gotcha. So this is the
1: time to fix it. So like my boat, the, uh, I had a, extra, it had a bilge pump that was replaced okay. and it was wired like crap. So I fixed that. And I took this time because you can get to it because I had to pull up the fuel tanks. So I got everything out from so this. I can just access the bilge. It's like I can just reach in there. So I actually added a secondary bilge, auto bilge in there that's wired and completely separate. So now I have two bilges in there because anybody who's fished big water, like I fish typically the smallest body of water I fish typically is Lake St. Clair. So we're never, you really need to be self-sufficient. So you kind of put some extras in there. And I always thought maybe if I didn't know, you know, I did want a charter certified, I got to have a, you know, I got to have a secondary building. Gotcha. But yeah, I do that. And then you kind of like figure out what you, if you're going to keep the boat, what do you want to do to the boat? So this is the time to run your wires, run any kind of hoses, do anything you want to do now, and just at least lay it in there because doing it after is a nightmare.
0: Right. Yeah, this is when you guys can get custom. If you want to run wiring for uh, LED lighting inside or anything like that, this is when you can kind of make it fancy if you're going to keep the boat for a few years or kind of like what you did because even if you want to upgrade a boat and let's say you want to go glass one day or get the center console like you did, it's always great to have these kind of boats in your back pocket for whatever spur-of-the-moment trips, maybe buzzing across state to do smaller inland bodies of water. Um, and then when you only pay $3,000 for it, it almost is like, I don't want to sell it because it's cheap, yeah, it's that's paid right. for. I, I, yeah.
1: Like my girlfriend was talking to me and I was like, well, I guess I do not do it. So it's like, right. but yeah, wire's cheap. So, I mean, I always just go on Amazon or eBay or even, you know, you can go to your local marine you know, store or even, uh, you know, auto store and just buy a hundred feet of wire. Okay. You know and then just run it, you know, run it for your speaker, run it for your your lighting, run it for power. You can need power up front for a fish finder, you know, you're gonna want and then like you're gonna wanna put like a cigarette lighter somewhere so you can you know, you can charge your cell phone. Just just run the wire. You don't have to install it now, but at least put it so you know where it's at. So you can just install what you want later. because gotcha. it's just a pain in the butt. And like I uh I kinda at that point i'm like Man, i don't have much money into it maybe i'll keep it so i did some stuff that like if i'm gonna keep it i'm gonna want to have so like i ran additional uh wiring to the rear so i got two gauge wire going from the front trolling motor batteries all the way to the rear kicker bracket that i installed okay because in case i want a back troll i can mount you know, like a Minn Kota Vantage or something on the back and have a troll motor where I can back troll if I want to put an electric troll motor back right. there. I can transfer mount. And then I, it was a 24, actually it was a 12-volt bow mount on it in originally when I bought it. So I ended up tearing out all the, you know, the compartment up there. When I redid it, I put three troll motor bracket or three troll motor battery brackets up there. And I have a, I have a backup Chirova, for my big boat, and I basically I set it up to use that thirty-six volt Chirova. So I mean, like if I want to, I can troll with the bow mount now on that boat. I mean, like, right. literally, I got a hundred some pound thrust bow mount. You know, sixty inch Chirova in the front of the boat now. So I mean, I got like huge overkill. And then I ran wire to the back where I actually put a gas kicker now. So and now I have a secondary. I picked up a, a seven horse Evinrude. So now I have a a four you know a seven horse. Four stroke what clumbed into it. So I have that too.
0: Okay. So, how do you run your gas line for that? Is that just, do you, do you carry a separate it, tank for it, that? It's
1: or? easy because it's uh, oil injected. That's a, so, there's two ways to do it. Like these older motors, a lot of them are oil injected, even the new ones, but like the older two strokes are oil injected. Right. And they're p- relatively foolproof, but when they fail, it's bad. So, I I, I went back and forth because, uh, if you're not gonna, you can tee off your line if you have oil injected because it's going to be, you know, it's it's not mixed fuel at right. that point, and you can run a four stroke kicker. And it's always nicer to run a four stroke kicker if you want to do any slow trolling or hand lining where you're pulling wire. You just need that. You don't need to be going full throttle. And it's who, want, and then what's the point of putting a kicker on if you got a troll with a two stroke? So right. the uh, so I have it. I end up keeping that v r o system and I have a just a tee off it for a four stroke kicker. Okay, just a tiller kicker
0: all right well that's you know like you were saying earlier too with your your bow mount you know going over it's okay to go overboard on your trolling motor because if the guys don't want to grab a kicker off the back on a 16 foot boat you control all day with that that bow mount yeah. off the off the front and be just fine too
1: yeah especially the trolling to this boat especially when this boat's going to be used
2: mm-hmm.
1: for me this boat's probably going to be like a March boat, where I want to go up the St. Clair River, right, you know, right on post thaw or go to Lake St. Clair or, you know, up Detroit River, you know, early, early in the season when I'm not going to want to drag my other boat out because I'm just going to be trailing it back and forth. And I usually like to disbelieve it in the marina. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be that kind of boat. So it's nice to have, you know, like really good show motor. And, and they're going to be trolling slow, you know, one to two miles an hour. It'll do that all day. Mm hmm. Or I can use the kicker now. So it's, and I'm going to be fishing cold water and I'm gonna, you know, it's another backup plan
2: too. Yeah. Right? I mean,
1: it's all about safety too. You want to be self-sufficient. You cannot depend on anybody out there. Cause I, I mean, I've been out on Lake Erie in February with some buddies out of here on Ohio. and Literally the only boat launched and we try to come back in. It's getting dark when changed direction. Now we have a mile long stretch of ice that's 50 yards wide blocking the marina. I can't even get it in. Oh, So you're like, you got that old crap moment where you're like, man, nobody's here to help me. I'm by myself. What are you going to do? So, I mean, we ended up going down about a mile and, you know, we were able to get through this little like iceberg field, you know, cruise up the shoreline and get in the marina. But it was like, man, your heart sank for a minute. You're like, man, am I sleeping at Lake Erie tonight? You know, it's February.
2: Yeah.
0: That's a bad (laughs) feeling.
1: yeah, I know. You're like, do I call the Coast Guard or do I just drop my anchor and I take a nap? Yeah. You know, it's like, man, what the heck? Shit. But uh, yeah, I always like to be self-sufficient. So I got a kicker, it's a backup mm-hmm. and the motor motor's overkill. You know, like, I know if my motors don't work. I could probably troll 10 miles on that kicker or troll motor. And right. I get back to shore if I had to. Yeah. You know? So, and it's going to be used in the fall. So it'd be like right now, everybody's out there breaking ice, going out there and fishing Lake St. Clair, Saginaw Bay, you know, typically it's not right now, but then Erie and you want a, you want a boat that's going to be reliable and you know, you're going to get back in. You don't have to worry about sinking to the bottom and maybe losing your life or getting hurt or whatever, You know, you just can't depend on anybody, and it's a two thousand two. So, I mean, granted, the motors probably got a little hours, but it's a two thousand two
2: Johnson.
1: It
0: might fail. You never know, right? So, so so you piece this thing back together. Um, What are some options that you kind of ran through your head when it came to uh, covering that marine plywood? Like some guys go with, you know, just the marine carpet that you put down. Um, There's different types of materials. What made you choose what you did choose?
1: Um, I like the vinyl, I'll be honest with you, Okay, but I have three dogs. Okay. So my, I, I had a boat probably 10 years ago that had vinyl and it was nice, but my dog did damage it a little bit with their nails and, uh, it's nice, but it's honestly, and it's super, slippery. I don't know if you ever been on a vinyl, like a lawn or whatever, a crest liner, you know, they got that vinyl down there and you got a couple of fish sl- flying around on the ground down there and you try to walk. It's like ice on that vinyl.
0: Well, even like right so, now in February, you bring a fish in, yeah. and that uh, that water hardens there because it's still twenty-five degrees out, thirty degrees out. Yep. you know that it's like a skating rink in there.
1: Yeah, so you know, and it's nice because you can clean it good, but it has some downfalls too. So I ended up going back with carpet.
2: Okay, it's
3: just
1: a little more stable, a little more comfortable. Honestly, the boat's probably not going to get used a ton. You know, it's got marine carpet in there over marine plywood and it's probably just going to be on some of the local lakes and then take it up to the St. Clair River in the fall.
2: So I think it's okay. It's going to be bouncing
1: around, have a couple of dogs in there, you know, just hanging out for the most part. But it's, I set it up for some fun fishing too, though. So.
2: Cool.
0: So you piece this thing back together, you wrap it in carpet. Um, what were some other finishing touches? Anything else, or is that after that it was pretty much ready to go?
1: i uh, it's pretty much ready to go i saved as much hardware as i could i had to get a couple new seat bases because they were corroded pretty bad and they uh the bushings were gone in there so i got some of those everything seemed to kind of fall in place pretty well i mean i had to buy you know you're gonna end up buying a decent amount of stainless hardware you can't save a lot of it this it is what it is like when they put these boats together it's there, they're, it's all about speed and production. So when they put these screws on half of them are stripped out already. You know, what I mean, like they rip them in, they screw them into the self-tappers into the, into the aluminum floor. You know, the, into the stringers, and then with the zzz, you can tell they, they like zipped it right through it. You know, so like a lot of stuff you can't save. So this budget for wood, you're gonna have to budget for hardware, and the carpet's not cheap. It was about two hundred dollars in carpet to do it. Marine plywood okay. or marine carpet. So okay. it's rubber back carpet that you know for the most part is waterproof so you don't get a whole lot of water getting out of that wood yeah. and it's all glued uh, so everything's glued down too so you got to have glue what kind of glue did you thing.
0: use for
2: that
1: uh it's, i can't remember the name of it it's, it's made for it okay so uh yeah like when you, when i bought the carpet from a marine carpet supplier and whatever glue they recommended, I actually bought it on Amazon. It was cheaper to buy it on Amazon. Okay. So it was about $25 for the gallon of it. That was enough to do the whole boat. Okay. I would say anything bigger than 17 foot, you're going to need another one. But I had just enough to do it my boat. You want to be pretty liberal with it. You don't want to have just, you want to have a lot of that glue because that glue acts as a moisture barrier too. So it's going to stick the carpet down and it's going to seal the wood.
0: Okay. Do you just kind of paint it on there with like a brush, like a stain brush?
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh, well, you want to use uh, a beard tile. Yeah. Yep. So tile, there's a tile, the trowel's on a tile. Yeah. Okay. It, we have that little notching in there. Yep. Yeah. So it, it's just like that, but in a, a smaller version. So okay. you just get a notching trowel and you just trowel it on. So you have a nice smooth surface over there, you know, it's, and then you just wrap it around and you staple the backside. I just buy some stainless staples. I have a pneumatic stapler and just zip them in and you know, it's just like doing upholstery and it's pretty fast actually once you get into it. After you get every you know, but I did test that so that's kind of thing. we should probably back up. So after you get all that stuff cut, it's not going to fit. I guarantee it. Even though you trace the templates, cause, uh, if you're putting new wood down, your wood that you're taking out, is not going to be great. So what, you can trace it as best you can, but uh, I got it all in there and I did require some trimming. Everything is not perfect. So you got to trim all your compartments out and stuff like that. and Get everything in. Okay. And then after you test it all, then you start wrapping it. Cause that carpet's going to add some gap too. So you gotta, you gotta account for the thickness of the carpet.
0: Okay. And then how to fasten it down? Do you just buy the self-tapping screws again to go into the aluminum? Yeah,
2: I
1: was able to probably use 50% of them. Okay. So that I had, that was enough to get the main deck down. And then the upper deck, once I got everything, the compartments bolted to the lower deck. And I ended up just buying, you know, some two-inch self-tapper stainless. Okay. They're like a pan head screw, basically.
3: Yep. And
1: uh, you just pre-drill your wood. And then uh, you just drill them in, and it'll go. It's not. It's pretty easy.
0: So, what did you do when it came to like the whole positioning from the prior wood that you pulled up? Did you just kind of move over an inch or two, and then just to find fresh aluminum to drill into?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like here's the deal. So you don't, I don't, you can't find the exact hole. It's like impossible. So, like, I know where the stringers are, and I mark okay. those on the side of the boat. Okay. So basically, like, I'll mark each stringer where they come up to the side of the boat and I just put a little mark there with the marker. Yeah. So when I put the panel on, I can lay as a straight edge across, and I know exactly where that strength is. Yeah.
0: So anybody listening, so it's, a, it's like a hit in the floor, Joyce.
1: Yeah, that's all it is. Yep. All you're doing is sheeting the floor and, uh, but it's not like everything's 16 inch on center. So you got to mark it. Yeah, that's why you got to panel down. You have no group Okay. And you've got to have a certain amount of support in there. That's structural too. You know, even though that, it's got welded in stringers and all everything's aluminum and everything's it's all foam filled underneath that. Wood on top still gonna add some rigidity to the boat, so you wanna have it secured properly.
3: Okay. Okay.
0: That's good to know. Um I'm asking a lot of questions cuz I'm thinking about redoing No,
1: you're good. Yeah. I'm
0: thinking about redoing absolutely. my boat too and I'm hoping anybody listening <laughs> this will be beneficial to them too because right now is the time to do it not, you know, not a week before the boat launches open back up and you can get back out on the water. So you want consider doing it right now. Um
1: Yeah, and it's funny cuz I and I did it pretty quick. Like even the the stuff I posted on Instagram like I was actually done with the boat Probably a week before the last post, even. Okay. So it actually went pretty quick. This is something that you could probably do if you really busted your hump in a long weekend. You could probably do it Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Okay. I realistically, this is probably six days worth of work. Everything that I'm talking about, even with the upgrades. Here's a question. You know, and, and not even not even full
2: days, you know, just kind of easier times. So.
0: Another thing guys want to, you know, think of, I can just think of my boat that I've got right now, my Lund. Um, it's an older boat. It's a 94. And one thing I freaking hate that they put on there was the plastic latches because they would get really dry rotted. And if you, like, stepped on them, they would become really brittle. And then you can't pick up the compartment anymore because the handle <laughs> that you get your finger underneath to pop it open is now gone. Oh, yeah. So yep. – what did you, you replace your latch one handles one with? What's that?
1: Well, the front handles for the latches were also good. They're actually plastic. So oh
2: wow, they you're were,
1: lucky. Uh, yeah, the boat was well. I'm telling you, the boat was really well taken care of. It was actually covered a lot, but I think what happened is that cover never got aired out It just held moisture because there was actually mold like growing and moss growing on the carpet when I bought it. Oh shit. So it just it was just like festering water in there, you know, like moisture but uh, it, I don't think it had a lot of sun damage so the, all the plastic on this was in good shape I could reuse it but you could replace anything you want with a, with stainless Right, stuff. it's super easy mm-hmm. and it's honestly easier to put the round stainless stuff in because mine was oval so I had to drill like two round holes and I cut it over with a jigsaw so just added work you know mm-hmm. you could just put a, a single round latch in there it's super easy just one hole saw drill and be done
0: the other thing that they did too were, was they would rivet it in there so now you can just kind of screw it down <laughs> yeah. into the plywood which is nice because then you can replace it a lot easier than trying to get a rivet out but
1: yeah yeah for sure and then like that all my compartments I had to replace so that's another thing like it like my livewell covers the rod holders cover and everything's aluminum so I, so this had some nice features but now it's like I so I didn't even carpet those I there I kept the stock carpet on I cleaned it up okay you can't really you can tell it's a little bit different but there's I like, got what I found out is looking at carpet there's only so many colors they make there's about like seven or eight marine colors that are available, and that's about it. So like, you just gotta pick the one that's closest to yours. Do
0: they still so have if the it's old real bad? Like, do, do, do they still have the old Lund red color from the '90s?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They got this like these terrible red like <laughs> yeah. brandy things and the greens. Like the boat covers are yeah. terrible. There's like you can get like I. I honestly, if I was doing the boat, it would be black or charcoal. Okay, Most likely charcoal. All right. And uh, black is going to hold too much heat. So like a nice charcoal and then you can hide some stuff in there. It doesn't stain terribly. But this one was like a beige color. Mm. And like, the boat, I didn't want to redo all the carpet because the sides of the boat were all you know, carpeted. The live wells were carpeted. The backside of the council was carpeted. There was stuff I didn't need to replace that was still good. So I didn't want to get a completely different color and have to change everything so that helps with your budget too if you if not all of your carpet's gone you can just replace sections and like i said there's only so many colors so like this beige was the same beige that you know it's the same color right it, it matches perfectly
0: how was uh anything you did differently with the council um at the helm or anything like that that was all good did you have to maneuver anything Everything,
1: yeah the council it's a mo- it was You know, my counsel on this was like a molded piece. So basically it was like a fiberglass and aluminum molded piece. Um, The windshield was broken when I got it. So it attaches with three quick releases. The third quick release on the inside, it must have been from the tarp being on and over the winter, the pressure. It cracked the uh, Lexan window. So what I did is I ended up just cutting off that like three inches. I rounded it over and I was able to... Redrill and in the Lexan and move the latch over so it actually you can't even tell so everything's mounted on there again so you don't have to replace the windshield so I mean if you can modify and re- instead of replacing uh, or just fix this stuff it saves you a ton of money
0: here's a question I don't know if it's a tip or not but I can, I'm kind of curious to see what you do or maybe think of someone who's less experienced than you are would you recommend doing one panel section at a time so like if you're if you're up on the deck and you are up on the bow and you take that one apart, would it be wise to cut that piece, make sure it fits, and then move on to the next one? So that way you don't tear everything apart and then you're kind of overwhelmed and you forget where shit goes or how it was mounted, all that kind of stuff.
1: Well, I would say you could do that, but I think the only thing that you would encounter is so you you're taking it apart and then you're testing it redoing that panel, test fitting it, make sure it fits, and then moving on to the next one. Mm-hmm. The problem is when you put it back together, you're going to be putting it together the opposite way. So unless everything got put together exactly the same from the bottom up, oh, okay. it's not going to fit properly.
2: Okay. So
1: it'll fit close. I, I When I cut all my templates out, I, I laid it on there, and it was like 90% done. But oh. I can tell you, like, the back panel, I had to cut a, almost an inch off it on one side. And then some other stuff, and then all every compartment that I cut out that I traced, I had to open up, okay, or the doors wouldn't fit in. So, I would say you could try that, but I think you would encounter problems when you because once you tear off the top deck,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you got all these vertical supports going to the bottom deck, okay. And once you replace that panel and you carpet it, you have no clue where that thing went, okay, you know, you can, you have an idea where it went, but it's not going to be the same spot. I guarantee it. So then uh, you might encounter a, per- a problem when you get the top deck on, it's not going to fit like it, like it did before. You know what I mean? I got you. So, so I did what I did is I, I made the whole thing. I test fit it dry with no, with no carpet on. And I basically started at the back of the boat. And I got the bottom done and I worked my way forward. Got the whole top deck screwed to the bottom. Then they got the bottom and the rear deck screwed to the bottom got all the live wells in, all the stuff, and then I started to test fit the, the uppers. Okay, And once I got all those test fit, I just worked my way around the boat periodically. Every panel had to be massaged. I a, you know, I got a nice belt sander. You know, you're gonna need a belt sander, circular saw, and a jigsaw. You know, okay. you know plenty of hole saws and drill, okay. so, and you can do it. You know, so just basically massage every panel so they fit good, and there's not a ton of gaps, you know, so it, it looks professional.
0: Man, you could like start a business doing this in the off season.
1: <laughs> hey, you can't pay me enough to do this. So like, basically, what <laughs> I'm talking about doing, if you went to a marina to have that done, yeah. So like, I did it basically. If you didn't, if I didn't have to buy hardware, you know, you got what three hundred sixty dollars in wood, right? Another two hundred dollars in carpet. You know, one hundred eighty, but I think it was uh, so two hundred. So I mean, now you're into it. You know, five sixty. That's just material. Then you got glue, hardware, and screws, yes. Yeah. You know, like I would say, and I ran a bunch of wire, did some other stuff. I might have 750 into it, maybe 800. Okay. And I would say you're looking at probably three to four thousand, probably, if you took it somewhere. So you're going to save yourself a ton of money. Yeah. You know, and- you, know you have that. Even if you've never done it before, don't be scared. It's just wood. Right. You know, it's uh, If you mess it up, go get another piece. It's still cheaper than paying somebody else to do it.
0: Right. You know, and see so the other thing too is it's a good way to get to know your way around a boat, figure out how things work. You know, you, you're yeah. confident. You know how it's put together when you go out on the water. And, you know, a 16 and a half foot, you know, 90, 90 horse boat, you know, you can cruise around pretty good with that. Even if you launch an Erie, you don't got to go super far out in the big waves, but Man, you can be in, you know, Bulls Harbor or something like that and just stay somewhat safe and still catch fish well, in this thing.
1: Yeah, and honestly a sixteen and a half foot, seventeen foot boat, you can pretty much fish anywhere in any day. You know, it's it doesn't matter how big your boat is. I mean, mm. I have a twenty three foot and a thirty one foot and I don't care. I mean, just because the boat can drive in three foot, four foot waves doesn't mean I want to fish in right. it. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> it's uh You know, the only thing a bigger boat does is give you more confidence driving back to the marina when it it gets rough. Right. You know, so on a smaller boat, you just pick your days because I'm not going to go fish if I already know it's going to be three foot ways. I'm not going. Right. But uh, if it's going to be calm in the morning and the wind picks up, you know, okay, well, I'll fish until it gets rough and then I'll have the confidence to get back in because I know my boat will make it. Right. So you just got to pick and choose your days, you know, like it doesn't make the times where you're fishing any more enjoyable or not enjoyable. Cause you're going to be fishing at the same time. Right. You're just, it's just the bigger boat makes it safer. That's the only thing.
0: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's the thing, like a lot of guys, you know, you'll hear them go back and forth and there's anglers are like, well, do I get a glass or do I get an aluminum? Well, it's like, okay, well if you're going to go 19, 20 foot, are you going to go out and fish in three foot, four foot waves? um you know if that's the thing and you're like that doesn't deter you well then get a glass but if you won't fish a day in a glass boat that you wouldn't fish in an aluminum boat if that makes sense you know it's really not it's not going to matter just get the aluminum boat because if you're not trying to impress anybody or go out for a bunch of cash or you're not getting paid or your livelihood doesn't depend on it don't go fishing you know but that's here or there
1: yeah basically i you know, I, I fish fiberglass boats for the trailer boats just because of comfort. Right. Comfort and...
0: It's safe and reliable for your customers, and, too. And
1: reliable. Yeah. That's basically it. You know, I've had issues with aluminum boats where they leak. And then day in and day out, I can tell you, if you fish day in and day out, you're gonna, you are going to have an, a leak in the aluminum boat. You just got to. You can't help it. Mm-hmm. They leak. They dent. The rivets fall out. Especially where we fish. We're fishing Great Lakes waterways. You're going to fish Saginaw Bay, Lake Erie, you know, Lake St. Clair, and there's no frequency on those waves. It's a giant washing machine and they just beat you up. Mm-hmm. So you just got to pick and choose your days. It's so good. If, if you fish every day, you know, you're going to get stuck in shitty weather. And just, you can't avoid it.
0: All right. Well, hey, man, I, this has all been great information. I really appreciate you taking the time to just share your experience with it because I want to do a little bit more podcast with going into, you know, quote unquote, boat buying season. Um, Hopefully if things open back up and they have shows and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, a lot of people need to think about this kind of stuff. And, you know, do you need to go spend, you know, a lot of money on a boat or can you get by for another two, three years with something like this, what you did, $3,000, you know, spend another $1,000 redoing it and get it running again? Will that hold you over so you can save up your nest for, you know, buying your dream boat of whatever that is. I think this kind of podcast and this information that you share is going to be super helpful for folks.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, an expensive boats a luxury. So, I mean, if you can afford that luxury, you can have it. Right. You know, but you got to think about how much we actually use your boat, how much enjoyment you're going to get out of your boat versus how much you're going to pay.
0: Right. Well, cool, man. Well, so,
1: I mean, like $3,000 is pretty much, um, I don't know any fisherman that can't swing three thousand dollars. Right, you know. So I got lucky. This is probably a little bit cheaper than most of the boats in this condition are going to go for. You know, I found a guy who was you know kind of fire selling it because he was moving a week later. So
0: right, well, there's people that spend but yeah, more, there's, there's people that spend more on their electronics than they do their boats nowadays.
1: Yeah, like I said, I <laughs> I bought the boat for three thousand dollars. The guy threw in fifteen hundred dollars worth of electronics, electronics. Yeah. So if I didn't. You know, like if I didn't have that thrown in, I wouldn't be putting that on my boat. I just, it wouldn't happen. So, but the boat's got beautiful electronics on it now. It's, you know, it's got side scan. I don't even have side scan on my ribalo. you know, it's hilarious. So it's like, it's got newer electronics than I do on one of my charter boats. So it's funny.
0: Nice, man. Well, Hey, where can people find you kind of check out your charter business or if they want to come and maybe go out fishing with you?
1: All right. Well, we have a website. we don't update it daily, but it should have your day to day stuff. that's Charter great lakes at actually charterreat dot com okay the email is charter great Lakes at gmail. You the phone number two four eight three four three eight eight six three um you can get a hold of us anyway through that um we obviously we have Instagram, Facebook that's gonna be our day to day stuff um we're gonna usually you know we're gonna post trips on there, we're gonna post reports. And you can kind of see what we're doing day-to-day. And we usually post within 24 hours of fishing. We can backlog all of our photos. You can see when we caught them, when the hot time of the year is, and when you got them, you know, when you want to go.
0: Yeah, I'll second that because I follow you on Instagram. Obviously, I'm always seeing what you're doing, and it's always a great time to get a pulse of what's going on. And the other good thing is that uh, uh, Eric will always post, like, what body of water he's on as well, so that way he's just not throwing random photos out there and you're just like, what lake is he in Yeah, on? and
1: it's nice. Yeah, and it's nice because, honestly, it helps me, too, because, mm-hmm. like, you can look through all your photos, and you can try to log information all you want, but, like, it's, I, like, it's, like, Facebook will pop up a memory. I'm, like, oh, cool, this is where I was this time of year. It's, right.
2: like, it's like, a I little journal just
1: last year, like, the last five years, really, you know what I mean? Like, right. where I was at, what I did, and it's, like, it's easier to keep records online now through social media than it is to actually write this stuff down.
0: Yeah, it's, like, a journal.
1: Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like a, yeah, it's a journal. I don't even. it's funny because now I'm like, man, all this stuff going on on social media and all this like politics going on, I don't even want to be on it, you know what I mean? Right. But it's, uh, it's good for the business and it's good for obviously like knowing what I did, when I did. So that's cool. All
0: right. Well, good for you, man. I'll let you go. I appreciate the time that you spent with us today and uh, hey, good luck this season coming up. We look forward to following along.
1: Yeah, for sure, man. I appreciate it.
0: All right, buddy. See you. Yep. Yeah, have a good one save some money folks there you go you don't got to spend a bunch of money you can just buy a nice three thousand dollar boat fix it up put some time and some effort into it a little bit of elbow grease and you're good to go i just want to say thanks for eric for coming on the podcast i thought that was a very very informative um way to consider maybe either a project that you want to do on your boat if if you've been putting it off and you thought it was time to, you know, rip that flooring up and put down some new boards and some new carpet, and or if you're looking at a boat and you're not deterred anymore by maybe the floor being a little soft, or you know, if as long as the engine's running good, or if there's something that you feel like you can fix, hopefully some of those pointers and things to look for um, you can take away from this podcast and apply it to to your own boat that you're looking to purchase and or fix up. And you don't have to spend a bunch of money either at the same time. So I'm in that boat, pun intended. But uh, I am going to consider ripping up my floor here in the next couple of weeks and redoing it myself. So that has inspired me. I hope it has inspired you. And I thought that was a great podcast. So in the meantime, folks, remember to head on over to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network. Subscribe to this podcast. Share it with your friends. And uh, we're going to keep this
3: thing going here in 2021. So I appreciate you being here. And as always, thanks for listening.